Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encourages you and uplifts you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. Amen. Listen, if this is your first time here, my name is Eric. As my wife said, we are the lead pastors here at Axios, and we have the privilege of doing that, and um, God is moving in this place. Look around, Axios. We are packed. God is doing good things. A couple weeks ago, we started a brand new series called Pour It Out, and um, we've been talking about this concept of oil in the Bible. Oil. What does oil represent? Um, Not only for cooking, obviously, you know, we can get a little fried chicken with some oil, but I'm here to tell you that the oil represented something so much of a significance for the people of Israel and then also for our lives as well. I love to read the Bible and not only look at it as a historical book, but I love to see the historical book and how God revolutionized it for 2023. You understand the Bible's for you right now? Like everything it says, everything it declares is for your life. So every promise, every declaration that God has spoken, not only the people of Israel and his apostles and disciples, it's for you as well. It's for you as well. And as we move forward, you know, week one, we talked about the oil of blessing, the oil of blessing. Week two, we talked, uh, last week, we talked about the oil of healing. And if you haven't catched those messages, you can do so on our YouTube channel. Listen, we got an app, a new app, all right? This new app is going to be the whole data, it's going to be everything axios so anything that we have to announce to you guys anything uh like you know some of you guys get those text messages to remind you to come to church and different stuff like that all that's going to be going through our app so you it's very vital it's going to be literally the center of our church so i need you to download the app but in doing that as well you can find all of our sermons in there as well um we have an online campus that watches every week so we welcome our online campus then come on axios church we welcome our online campus in a couple week, in a couple weeks, and a couple about a month or so, we're gonna become we're we going straight live every Sunday, and um, God is doing an amazing things. But today, we're gonna talk about as January flew by. I mean, we just had New Year's, and now we're at the end of January. Um, this is the last segment of these this sermon series, and I'm gonna be talking about the oil of anointing, the oil of anointing. If you've been around the church, church circles or church more than um, a couple of months, you heard this word anointing, especially in, in, when it comes to Pentecostal churches and a lot of things uh, like that, a lot of de- uh, denominations, they, they use the word anointing a lot. The definition of anointing, because we don't ever want to assume, we understand that people are different areas in their walk of faith, and we, we, we celebrate that with you. So we never want to assume, just because I read the Bible, uh, you didn't read this um, section of the Bible, so we want to make sure that you know what we're talking about. So the definition of anointing, it means to be consecrated or made sacred, dedicated to God, often in a ceremony which is dabbling or sprinkling of holy oil, anointing. And now we also need to know the definition, the biblical definition of what oil means. So the biblical definition of oil is translated as fruitful. Hence, oil symbolizes wealth, abundance, health, 
energy, a vital ingredient to a good life. So if you take what anointing is and you take what oil represented in the Bible, the, whole, the oil of anointing is for our life, for the people that call Jesus Christ, that has accepted Jesus as your personal savior. There's a different kind of favor that is on your life. When you put your faith in Christ, there is an anointing oil that goes on your head symbolically to represent that you are set apart for God to use you. It, 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 it's that uh, significant in your life. When you say, Jesus, come into my heart. I need you to change my life. I want to walk with you. I want to live for you. You are automatically in, in, ingrained in this concept of the anointing oil of an, the an oil of anointing, because at that moment, we believe as Christians that we are automatically set apart to be used by God. Can I get an amen? amen. So this anointing oil, this oil of anointing, is for us as believers. Can I give you a news flash today? You are chosen by God. You are chosen by God. You're not made on accident. You were a mistake. I don't care what your mama or daddy tell you. Uh, you weren't a oops, I did it again, okay? You are called and anointed by God. It doesn't matter if you, you don't need to hold a title of pastor. You don't need to hold a title of apostle. You don't need to hold a title of a small group leader. Because you know Jesus, there is an anointing on your life. But it's our job to understand that that anointing comes with responsibility. The anointing comes with responsibility. I'd rather be an anointed husband, dad, son, pastor, friend than not. Because the anointing, it gets, far, it gets you farther than any talent, charisma, a conversation, reputation will ever do. The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing is attached to the favor of God, as we spoke about in week one. As David was there in the pastures, he was anointed to be king. There's an anointing in your life. You know when you go into Christian circles or in, in churches, you know when people are singing or preaching in the anointing and not? Especially people that are like, that, that are filled with the Holy Spirit. You know when it's real or fake, basically. You know when somebody's singing it for performance or singing it under the anointing. There's a different thing about it. There's a, there's a, different, there's a different way you hear it. There's a different way you feel it because the anointing gets, the, gets us farther than any talent will ever do. The anointing is important in our life. But do you know that there's a price for the anointing? There's a price for it. I'm, I'm going to be talking a little bit. I need to put your steel toe boots on today, okay? All right, if you need to go to Walmart real fast, they're $29.99, put them on, all right? Because I need to challenge you as a believer of Christ, not only as a member of Axios Church or a, a church girl, I need, I need to challenge you as a believer of Christ to let you understand if you're using the anointing the right way. Because if we're using anointing right way, lives are changed. Our atmospheres are changed. Because the anointing matters. But there's a price for the anointing. There's a sacrifice that comes with the anointing. How do I know? David was anointed, but he still had to fight giants and battles to overcome. Just because you're anointed doesn't mean things are not going to come into your life. Just because you're anointed doesn't mean that you're not going to fight battles. 
David was anointed. We talked about the week one, but guess what? A giant still came and battles still come. How about this? Elijah was anointed, but he still battled mental health issues. Just because you're anointed doesn't mean the enemy's not going to fight. Peter was anointed, but he still denied Jesus three times. Paul was anointed, but he still had a thorn in his flesh that he dealt with constantly. Just because, just because you're dealing with something doesn't mean God can't use you and you can't be anointed by God. Because there's people in the Bible constantly that we see did great things for God, but they were also screw-ups as well. So what you are dealing with doesn't disqualify you from the presence of God, doesn't disqualify you from God using you, but there is a responsibility that you have to have. There is a weight to the anointing. There is a weight to the anointing because we are anointed, we're different, and the enemy hates that. So we can live in favor, but in having battles at the same time. One of my favorite preachers, um, Stephen Chandler, said it like this, all miracles come with problems. All miracles come with warfare. We all want the miracle to be changed, but knows that sometimes there's going to be attacks on the, on the other side of that. Why? The enemy doesn't want you to be prosperous. The enemy doesn't want to have the favor of God over your life. The enemy doesn't want you to live in the abundance of God. Why would he want to? He's going to fight. We want to be anointed and favored by God, but we understand that there's a responsibility with the anointing. We hate the word responsibility. Because responsibility means that you have to do something about it. You can't just talk about it. You can't just, you can't just tell your mommy or your daddy to do about it. You have to do something about it. You have to take the responsibility on you. And that's why it's hard. It's a weight that sometimes we don't want to have it, but because of the anointing and favor of your life, the responsibility has to happen and you have to operate in as you hold the anointing. See, the Bible talks about the Ark of the Covenant, which was the, a box that represented the presence of God, the tangible presence of God. And Israel would carry this box, this Ark of the Covenant, around from town to town, and wherever there was battles, victories were won. Wherever there where was sickness, sickness would be healed because the presence of God, they carried it everywhere they went. But then one, one, uh, there was a time where God wanted to trans, um, transition the Israelite people to a place, a temple, where they were going to worship God, where they were going to, where his presence was going to rest. It was the, it was the temple that he was trying to build. In Exodus, we see um, them starting this community, the Israelite community, starting to build this temple where the Ark of the Covenant will rest. But there were so many details attached to this temple. And here in the book of Exodus, we see the, the construction of this temple. And we see that, this, that there was very much a lot of details that had to do with building the temple. The place where his presence were kept for the Israelite community. It was detail after detail. But we first need to see that God anointed this place in every detail for his glory. See, God really shows us the responsibility of the anointing and the progression as we talk about this. Let's go to Exodus chapter 30. 
verse 25 and 31. This is one of the first times we see God instituting oil as a consecration material or a set-apart moment for these things, and he started with the temple. Let's read here to give context, and I, I promise I'll put it all together. Let's go to verse 25. Make, make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrance blend to work in a uh, um, perfume, perfumer. It will be a sacred anointing oil. Then use it to anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the covenant law and the tables and its articles and the lampstands and the accessories and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering and the utensils and the basin which is stand. You shall consecrate them so they will be most holy and whatever touches them will be holy. Everybody say holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. So is so to the Israelites, this is to be the sacred um, anointing oil of the generations to come. What does this have to do with anything? I will tell you in five seconds. All right. Because it's so important because sometimes we got to look at the Old Testament to represent some stuff in the New Testament. We're a New Testament church. But, but that doesn't mean we throw the Old Testament away. And we see here so many details were put in utensils and tables and so many things where you would look at it as like, that's nothing. But God was so much in the details and wanted every part of his temple to be consecrated with oil that he went to the degree of touching everything. And while everything was being touched, it was being set apart for the glory of God, for the glory of God. This reminds me of a verse where on this side of the cross, so that was the Old Testament. Now Jesus comes, he dies on the cross for our sins, rose again, and now he uses a different kind of temple. He uses you and me. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 19 and 20 says, or do you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have, uh, who you have gone from God and you are not your own as you were bought with a price to glorify God in your body. So now we see the Old Testament temple God being so detailed in anointing everything, now Jesus comes to the picture, dies on the cross, the veil was torn in two, now gives us complete access to God. Now that the, God's presence don't need to be in a box, now the presence of God is in a new temple. And the new temple is you, and the new temple is me. And we hold, the t we hold God's presence in us. So what does this mean? That means the details have to do with you as well. Now that, yeah, we come to a place as we call temples or churches, but God's presence doesn't rest in the churches. God's presence um, is in you. Is in you. And when God's presence comes into agreement with God's presence and God's presence, miracles can happen.
That's why it's so important that you come to church. It's not about you attending and check a mark. It's the temples need to come together. We need to glorify the name of the Lord together. So now that we know that the temple and all the, the important things that God anointed, now it's us. Now we know that we are anointed by God to do good works. It's not only a place, it's a person. It's you and it's me. So what are these things that God used now? Now that, now that we don't have to go to the, the, the utensils and all these things, what does God use now in his temple to glorify God that is anointed for us to use on an everyday basis? Because back then they used all these things. There were different courts, different things that they had to do, rituals that they had to do. All those are abolished now. Now we're the holding of the Holy Spirit in us. Now how does God use our already anointed things to glorify him and how the anointing flows. Number one is this. We are anointed to proclaim. Everybody say proclaim. We are anointed to proclaim. What is the first thing that he anointed? He anointed the items that were used to express and to use to proclaim his glory. So every candlestick, every article was a representation, and the priests used it all to glorify God. And there was representation. There was, there was definitions for all these things. I mean, there were, it was detailed. So every candle meant one thing. Every article meant one thing. Every, every curtain meant another thing. It was so detailed. Now, all that is gone. Now, who are the ones? What are the utensils? What are the things are used now? It's you and me. It's called your voice. Every, every lampstand, every candle was anointed. It represented something. Now the temple, the Holy Spirit, is in flesh, is us. And how do we use this in our life? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it, it explains this. It says, but you are a, what is it? Chosen. A chosen people. A royal, what is that word? Priesthood. Let me stop right there. Aaron was anointed the priest of the temple. Aaron's not here anymore. So now who is the priest? It says it right there. It says you chosen. Now you are the royal priesthood, a holy nation of God's special possession that you may what? Declare. Other versions say proclaim the praises of him who are called out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We need to use the items God has given us, which are already anointed to proclaim his glory. The first thing we can use is, number one, our voice. We got to speak truth. It's already anointed. The, the words that we, that we recite from his word are already anointed. We just got to use them. <laughs> they already have been prayed over. They already have been anointed. God has already performed many miracles, but now through our voice and us being the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, it's our responsibility to tell others to proclaim his goodness. So when your mouth is shut and you don't tell people about Christ, you're not proclaiming his goodness. 
When, when, when a, a music lyric comes out of your mouth more than his word, there's something problems there. There's some problems there. When a cuss word comes more glorifying than um, his word, you got to check your temple. Like I said, I'm, I'm coming, we're, we're, uh, it's me too. Because it's a responsibility that we hold. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25 says, Therefore, have put away falsehood. Let us one another speak truth with his neighbor. For we are a member of one another. That's why competition in the word, uh, competition in the kingdom of God is not godly. We shouldn't be compare, comparing or we shouldn't be competing with the church next to, next to us. Why? Because we're all one. The enemy uses competition as a, as a division for God's kingdom to really be going forth in Christ. We have to declare these things. And you know what? We got to speak these things out. Because the enemy wants us to be like in our own quiet, oh, you know, this is happening. No, 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 no. The enemy's trying to fight our churches. And I declare in the name of Jesus that our churches, not only Axios, that all the churches will be united, will be glorifying his name, will be only declaring the name of Jesus because we need each other. We need each other. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says, rather speaking um, in truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head in, um, into Christ. Last one, 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. Little children, let us, not love, let us not love his word or talk with deeds in truth. We have to talk his truth. Our voice is anointed item that he uses us to proclaim his goodness. Number two, what is another item? Our hands, our hands lend to help. If our first, thought is not to help people we're not doing this kingdom thing right if there if our time or our or our busy schedules don't let us have time to lend a hand to somebody in need you're not doing the kingdom right i'm just i'm just saying what just saying what it says because if our agendas are dictating our hands it's a problem it's a problem. We're not using what's already anointed. What's already anointed. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, if you don't believe me, read the Bible. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, the Father, through him. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. And so then, as we have a what? Opportunity. That means it's, a, it, it, it's your you have to do it. It's your opportunity. As we have an opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially into those of the household of faith. Let me stop right there. He says, do good with everybody. That means people that are not believers. But he said, hey, the, like me and you, we need each other. We need to encourage one another. That's why gossip is not allowed at Axios Church. Thank you. <laughs> That's why we don't talk about about each other. We broke that thing a long time ago, right, Nerd? It ain't happening today. The devil, nope. You know why? Because if I'm talking bad about you, then I'm talking bad about Christ. Because you're a vessel of God. I'm a vessel of God. Why are we talking bad about each other? 
If you, if you can't have a conversation with that person, you better shut your mouth and figure it out with Christ. Because when you open your mouth, it ain't on that person. It's on you. That's why we need to uplift each other. If somebody needs a hand, we have to be willing to give that hand because it's already anointed. How about this last one is our love. Our love breaks walls and barriers. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for a good. For those who are called according to his purpose, our genuine love will be the difference in proclaiming his word. It's already anointed. We need to use it. Number two is this. Our, he anointed our work. Here's where it gets a little difficult, people, okay? Strap down. Let's put the seatbelts down because it has to be more than talk. We got to be about it. We got to be about it. Second thing, what is the second thing he anointed? He anointed Aaron as the priest of the temple. The priest of the temple were the people that took care of every affair of the temple. That means they were the janitor. That means they were the people that spoke on Sundays. That means they were the ones that, that, that fed the people. They took everything. They were so responsible for the temple. He not anointed the utensils. He anointed a person, which was Aaron. <clears throat> the priest, the keeper of the work of the temple. They worked for the temple. They gave their lives for the temple. They gave their resource to the temple. That's why we shouldn't be scared to work. You know, Jesus wasn't just a person that, like he was a son of God. He just didn't coast his life. My man worked. He worked. He wasn't on a hill drinking herbal tea and just chilling, waiting for him to die on a cross. My man had a job. He was a, he was a carpenter. He, he made his, he, he worked. If you're not willing to work for your personal and work for the kingdom of God, there's no laziness in the kingdom of God. There, there's no laziness in the kingdom of God. God has anointed our work. That means if you're not on a serve team yet, it's already anointed. You need to join. Why? Because we're the workers. We're the priests. We need to work. Not for me. Don't work for me. What did that Bible verse? We do it all unto God because it's anointed so I have no I have no other option but to serve his people and by me serving his people is not checking a quota that we do at foundations no it's checking a quota with God to say I am taking responsibility for the anointing to work in the temple there there's no lazy people that are anointed there's no, no laziness when it comes to the anointing. The anointing says, hey, we are going to do what we can to get as many people to heaven. It's the anointing. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. It's very quiet in here. I'm so sorry. 
It says this, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. God is building. You understand from the, from the beginning, Adam, God made the animals and made everything around. Let's just speak about that. God made the animals, but who did he tell to name the animals? Adam. God could have done it. It wasn't that he wasn't willing to do it. He said, hey, no, we're doing this thing together. I'm the builder. You're the field. Have you ever thought about that before? That God created a cow and didn't name it. Who named it? Adam. He wanted Adam to be involved in the process. He wanted them to be involved in the process, even from the beginning. God can make water. He made the water, but who did he tell to put the stick for it to be parted? Moses. You think God at any point could be like, hey, see, go. Right? He could. But he wanted Moses' faith to touch the water because we're co-workers with Christ. You ever thought about that? He doesn't, he doesn't need us. He wants us. My man is God. He made light. The moon. Have you seen the sun? Like, you can't. Because he's God. Remember a couple years ago, they used to put those little, like, people wanted to watch the sun. And it, stupid. But you have, have you thought about that lately? Like, let's be, he doesn't need us, but he wants you to join in this plan together. God made the flood, but who did he tell to make the boat? You think God can make a boat? I'm pretty sure. And it won't be a Disney cruise either. That thing will be nice. But do you see what I'm saying? The work is anointed, but God is looking for the laborers. What does the Bible say? The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. He's saying we, he, he set up all we need. He set up all we need for this church to grow. He set up all you need for to grow in your life. But guess what? It's time to get to work. The priest had to work. They were anointed. So if they're anointed, they should be just chilling. Oh, glory to God. No. They give glory to God, but they had to get to work. Because your work is anointed. God needs us to get to work. God calls us to build his church and build his kingdom. You know, I'm not only talking about anointing to build the church, but it's to build your life as well. You need to get to work. That's why things that we do here at our church, we give you opportunities. That's the word, opportunity. Here's an opportunity for you to grow. That's why midweeks are, are important. That's why all the events are important. We don't do that just because we want to just fill up our schedule of stuff. It's an opportunity for you to use what's already anointed and get to work. So what do I mean as your pastor? 
That means we should be flooding out Wednesdays. That every teenager that you have needs to be in here on Wednesdays. When we have our outreach coming to feed our community in, in March, guess what? We should be packed out. We should be giving more, feel, more food out. Why? Because it's not that we can't do it. It's just the laborers need to be coming. I, I, don't get mad at me. Come on, love me. That's what the Bible says. Like some of you are like, this is the last day. He ain't going to tell me what to do. I'm not. How was, how, was the, how was the church instituted from the beginning? In the book of Acts, we see verse 2. <clears throat> we see how the Bible calls us as the body of Christ to do. And they were devoted to themselves, to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship of breaking bread and prayer. And in all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and all who had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them and the proceeds to all in any that had need. And the day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day to day those who were being saved. It's our responsibility. What if I come up here one day and say, hey, we're going to have a huge garage sale. We're selling these, everybody's possessions. Let's just all just be together. I'm not going to tell you to do that. But I'm going to tell you that God has also called us to build his church. So that means, I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to be, but that means like it's your responsibility to build his church together. And how do we do that? Through our resources, through our time, through our tithing. That's not something that it's, I'm not asking for you. We don't need, need your money, but God wants it. Why? So we can do more for the kingdom. It's all of us together. This is not Pastor Eric's mission. This is our mission that God has given us to impact the community and build his church. So I'm not going to apologize for keeping you accountable to what the Bible says. You guys got, we got, we, all of us, we got to get to work. We got to get to work. Do you still love me? Last thing, and this is the good one. The other two were very hard. Um, let's get to work. <laughs> and um, the, this is a good one right here. Number three, what, what else did they do? He, he, the anointing to pass it down. The anointing to pass it down. I love this part. Because do you understand God not only cares about you, but he cares about generations to come? It said that he anointed Aaron, but he also anointed Aaron sons. The anointing is a generational anointing, but it has to start with someone. It has to start with someone that is faithful enough to hold the anointing with responsibility. You want your kids to be blessed? Hold the anointing right? You want your kids' kids of kids to be blessed? Yeah, you can set it up. The, the little retirement fund and all this, the school fund, that's great. You can do it if you need to. But if you want your kids to be anointed, 
you have to hold the responsibility of the anointing. But do you love how God not only cared for his church, not only cared for Aaron, but he cared for Aaron's children and children that were not even born yet? It said at the end, it said this, that the anointing oil was for generations to come. Why? Because this is a generational, a passed down kind of anointing. Psalms chapter 78 verse 4 says, we will not hide from their children, but tell to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and his wonder that he has done. He not only anointed Aaron, he anointed the generations to come. And then we go to the verse in Proverbs chapter 22. Here's where the responsibility is. In 22 verse 6, train up a child in the ways he should go, and when he's old, he should not depart from it. Whose responsibility is it to show our generations about the glorious riches of God? Raise your hand. <laughs> it's us. Why do you think in the Bible the Israelites said stories after stories of good, bad, and the ugly? Because they knew that this was going to be a generational blessing. It's a generational blessing. So let me say it like this. Your kids need to see you pray. Your kids need to see you worship. Your kids need to see you in the house of God more than they see you on a ball field. Your, your kids need to see you giving. Sit with them. I'm, I'm just giving you practical things. Why? Because we're training a generation to take the flow of the anointing from generation to generation. Your kids need to see you. Hey, this is why we give. This is why we give this amount of money. I mean, you have to teach them. Where are they going to learn it? I, I would challenge us now, if we want to have a generational flow of blessing, to sit with your kids and show them the word of God. Show them the principles of God. Show them that they are anointed, that they are a royal priesthood, because it's not only for you, it's for generations to come. It's an anointing. It's an anointing. Why? Because if we're not teaching them, who is? Who is? This is not a spiritual thing. This is a practical thing. For I remember, Judex, get up here before I, before I keep on going. I remember when I used to go to church, and we used to have these things. I hated them. It was called behelias. <laughs> I don't know how what that's translated in English. Visual? Visual? I don't want to care what it was. <laughs> they used to wake us up. At like 4 o'clock in the morning, we used to go to church. I was knocked out, crust all in my eyes. You couldn't eat. I'm like, McDonald's is still open 24-7. You couldn't eat. And they would pray. Here's how crazy it was, okay? It wasn't abuse. It was good, okay? We would get there at 4 a.m. We would pray the whole time. Then at 9 o'clock, where you're going, Sunday school? 
You're walking in all hungry and you're just go, like you go to Sunday school. And then after that, you know where you're going? You're going to church because Sunday school was before church. So now church is at 11 o'clock and we didn't have no hour, hour, the services. All right. We're there until like 4 p.m. 4 p.m. comes. You go to the Golden Corral. You eat a little meal. You come home. You're all tired. Guess what? 6 p.m. comes. You have night service. And night service goes until 11 o'clock. People, people are shaking. People are spitting. Bobby pins going all over the place. They didn't care if you had a bedtime. Matter of fact, if you, ha if you said anything, guess what? You're sinning. Everything was a sin. But you know what it taught us? Prayer is important. Fasting is important. His, his word is important. Dedication. Because you have to be dedicated to be there all day. I, rem I will remember... Because we didn't have kids' church back then. That's a white thing, all right? <laughs> you were in church. <laughs> Here's the thing. We would go into church, right? And my dad would literally, I would see him writing a check every, every, every week. It didn't matter if we didn't have or had. We were always blessed. He would show me, this is, son, why we give our tithe. Not only that, he would take out a 20 and give offering on top of that. Why? He wasn't showing me that this was the great financial plan. He was showing me principles that I still now operate in. Why? It's a generational blessing. It's a generational flow. From generation to generation, somewhere in the middle of all this, we have not trained a generation to fear God. We have not trained a generation to love his house. We have not trained a generation to love and to, to give and dedicate to his word. Why? Because we have made it in, the, in this whole concept of being relevant. We lost the reverence of God. Listen, here at Axios, we're we're gonna be we're we're gonna be relevant. We're gonna have lights. We're, we're, listen, we ain't, we, ain't, we ain't crazy, but we are not gonna lose. We're gonna train in kids' church. Our kids' church director, Amber, we make sure that everything in that place is kind of everything we're talking about here, in a kids' way. But they're learning about the Holy Spirit. They're learning about giving. Why? It's because we are training the generation to come and when we do that a blessing why do we need that because we are living the end days and I love what it says here in Acts chapter 2 verse 16 and 19 says but this is what was uttered from uh, from the prophet Joel in the last days you shall de declares the Lord that there will be a, a pouring of his spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. 
Your young men will see visions. Your old men will see dreams. Even my male servants and female servants, in those last days I will pour my spirit and they shall prophesy. This is a generational anointing. We don't need a lazy generation. We need a bold, unashamed, loving, solid believers. It's a generational anointing. And it's our responsibility to pass it down. God could have stopped as he was building his temple. On Aaron, you're blessed. Move it along. But he added the generations to come because at one point, we going to die. I don't know who anybody found a special sauce on living forever. I haven't found it yet. Somebody has to take the mantle. And just as Elijah and Elijah, the mantle was passed, we need this anointing blessing to be passed from generation to generation. We need to love his church. We need to use what God has called us to do. We need to get to work. And while we do those two things, we are passing the principles and the generational blessings to the ones that are going to take it from us because the anointing is needed. The anointing is needed to proclaim, to work, and to pass it down. It's a generational blessing. It's a generational anointing. Can I get an amen? amen? Let's all stand up. The worship team can get ready. I asked our worship team to sing that song again. Thank you again for joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you, and we're in this together.